Welcome to Basic Doctrine of the Bible. The teaching series within this podcast is a part of the Basic Discipleship Program. In 2 Timothy 3.16, the Bible says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. Our hope is that this material will encourage you to have a great appreciation and respect for God's Word. Now, let's join today's lesson. Hey, welcome to Lesson 1 in our basic discipleship series on basic doctrine of the Bible. Throughout this series, we're looking at the Bible's teaching on the Bible. We want to do a deep dive on this doctrine and to gain a a good scriptural understanding concerning God's Word. We want to know about the nature of the Bible and how we can use it in our life to grow in godliness. A study of the Bible must start with a study of God. When we study Scripture and when we learn about our Creator, we learn that He is a communicator. He has given us a holy book called the Bible. And in this book, we have a revelation of who God is. We also have a revelation of who we are. We have a revelation of what's gone wrong with the world. And we have a revelation concerning how the Lord and His grace makes things right. Know this about God. He is a God who exists and He speaks. The great Christian philosopher Francis Schaeffer spoke of the Lord by saying, He is there and He is not silent. So there is a God, and know this, He is not silent. Think about it like this. If there is a God, and we believe there is, and we could go into all the reasons for that, both philosophically and theologically, if there is a God and we believe there is, it is only logical that He would communicate. Uh, Think about um, the nature of the God who has created all things. I mean, if there is a God who made the sun, the moon, the stars, the galaxies, the Milky Way, planet Earth, if there is a God who made everything on Earth, if there's a God who created the human body and masterfully designed it, then He must be an all-wise being. And if He went through the effort to make all that there is, it stands to reason that he would then communicate with his creation. An all-wise God would not go to the lengths he has gone to and not reveal himself to his creation. So we believe there is a God who is there and he is not silent. God speaks. This is who he is. So let's consider this. We're, We're launching into our study of the doctrine of the Bible And let's consider this subject, God Speaks, and let's look at it under two subject headings. First of all, let's consider why, why God speaks. And I'd like to give you four scriptural reasons concerning why our God speaks. Number one, it is a part of His nature. It's a part of His nature. He is a relational, communicative God. He can't help but speak. Indeed, he must speak. He must communicate because of who he is. Uh, We see this in 
regard to the Trinity. God exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Why? John 17 tells us that he has this part of his nature, this part of his nature involves a relationship, communication, if you will, between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Some people think it's strange when they consider the fact that Jesus prayed while he was on earth, and they think, wow, how would God talk to himself? Easy. It's part of his nature. God exists in three persons, and there's interrelatedness amongst the Trinity. So know this. This is a part of our Lord's distinct nature. This idea is expressed in John 1.1, where we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, the word, word there is a title used of our Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ. Now, why is that word, word, used of Jesus? Well, it communicates the fact that he is a communicator. Precepts and principles emanate from his being. It is a part of his nature to speak and to communicate truth. It is a part of who he is. He must share realities about himself and about life. It is a part of God's nature to speak. That's why he speaks. Number two, we believe by studying scripture that God speaks because it is how he accomplishes his purposes. It is how he accomplishes his purposes. God has designed things to work in such a way that he accomplishes what he wills by his spoken word. And know this about your Lord. This is a part of his nature. Beginning of time, Genesis 1-3, God said, let there be light and light appeared. God spoke things into existence out of nothing at the beginning of time. This is how he accomplishes his purposes. His word is not some mere small thing. This is how he accomplishes his will. We see this also in the life of Jesus. Think of a passage like Mark 2.11. When the Lord went to heal somebody, he merely spoke and the man, the lame man, was healed. And then think about how the Bible tells us human history will end. Revelation 19.15, John says, Behold, I saw a white horse. And seated upon the horse, John tells us, was Jesus. And he speaks of the way in which the Lord, at his appearing, will have a sharp sword coming out of his mouth. Now, we believe that's metaphor, that's imagery to depict the way in which when the Lord returns, he will merely speak and judgment will be issued. He will merely speak and the nations of ungodly people will crumble before him. So get this, human history, the timeline of human history began with God speaking. And the timeline of human history will end with Jesus speaking as well. Know that God speaks. Why? Because this is how he accomplishes his purposes. We think also, number three, that this is how he, the Lord, makes himself known. It's how he makes himself known. Known. You could go to Genesis 1, 26 through 27 and see where God speaks and says, let us make man in our own image. And the Lord makes man 
and shortly thereafter, go read the verses that following that follow. He immediately begins to speak to man and to tell him to take dominion over all of the creation. So know this, God makes himself known through his spoken word. You could also look at Genesis 2, 16 through 17, where God gave those first commands concerning what trees Adam and Eve could eat from and what tree they could not eat from. For the Lord speaking was the way in which he made himself known. And this continues today. We could study the great, great commandment, Matthew 22, 37 through 40. And we know that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind. And we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. God has spoken. This is how he makes himself known. The great commandment teaches us he is a relational God. He has called us to love him. And any loving relationship involves speaking, communication. Uh, Lastly, I want you to see this great truth. Why does God speak? Number four, before we go on to our second subject heading, Number four, this is what makes the Lord speaking, is what makes the Lord different from other gods. Now, when I say other gods, I speak of gods with a lowercase g. Indeed, they are not gods at all. There is no God but the Lord our God. All of the other gods with a lowercase g that men and women have made are nothing in the sight of the Lord. They are all idols. The psalmist spoke of this in Psalm 115, verses 4 through 5. He speaks of the idols of the the nations around him, the psalmist does. He says, "Their their idols are silver and gold made by human hands. They have, listen, they have mouths but cannot speak. So know this, this is what makes the Lord unique. This is what makes Jehovah Yahweh distinct. This is what makes Jesus better than the material things men and women often live for. This is what makes our God greater than all the false gods of this earth. He divinely reveals himself. He speaks. He has given us a written word. None of your hobbies that you may worship, none of your material things that occupy your heart, none of the false gods of this world can communicate heaven-sent truth. Only the Lord speaks. This is what makes him different from other gods. So we see, number one, why God speaks. Let's speak, let's talk, number two, about how God speaks. See, this is important. You you many times hear people talking about God talking to them. Sometimes we may have friends who share of experiences they supposedly have in which they hear the voice of God or they received a message through an animal or through nature that they perceived as being from God. Uh, Let's consider how the Lord speaks. I want to give you four ways he speaks. I believe these are scriptural. We're going through a systematic or topical teaching of God's word. And I believe this will really help you because I think we all want to hear from God. We all want to know that we're listening to God, but we've got to be aware of how the Lord speaks. He speaks, first of all, the Bible teaches us through nature. 
Now, we want to be on guard against mysticism here. We want to be on guard against a Henry David Thoreau type of naturalistic religion. At the same time, we don't want to dismiss the fact that there is a creator God who has made a beautiful universe that stands as a ever-present witness to his glory, his grandeur, his power, his might, and his wisdom. The psalmist said in Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the expanse proclaims the work of his hands. The heavens declare the glory of God. The psalmist knew what all men and women should know. By looking to the sky, he could see that the sky is marvelous. The stars are brilliant. The sun is awesome and its radiance. These things give evidence that there is a mighty being who made the heavens and the earth. Now get the point here. This is a form of what theologians would call general revelation. See, See, the Lord in different ways makes himself in a general way known to all of humanity. Nature is such a mechanism that he uses to generally make himself known. He, however, does not specifically or specially make himself known through nature. What do you mean by that, Patrick? I mean, you should be able to look at nature, to look at the complexity of the human body, to look at the magnificent nature of nature and come to the conclusion there must be a God. God speaks in his way generally. However, through nature, you cannot learn very specific things about God. Now, now, by looking at nature, you can conclude, wow, he must be powerful. Look at the sun. Ooh, he must be all wise. Look at how the body is designed. Ooh, he must be beautiful. Look at that mountain scene. So you can conclude general things about God, but you can't conclude specific things about God from nature. Nor should you look for specific things. I've seen people before bring me a a picture of a cloud and they'll say, "Uh, Pastor, do you see what's in that cloud? And I'll say, no, it looks like clouds. Well, don't you see that hand there? And don't you see what looks to be a back? I believe this was a message from God. He, he, He was wanting to remind me through the clouds that he's patting me on the back and saying, keep going in life. I know it's hard. I've had people before bring me a picture of a deer. Do you see that deer? Yeah, I see the deer. I believe that deer was sent from God. Look at the look on his face. It reminds me of my deceased loved one who passed away. And I believe the Lord sent this deer to me to remind me everything's going to be all right. I don't mean to make light of people who make such claims, but I do want us to see God's truth. We cannot know special revelation or special direct messages from God through nature. Nature is a means of God generally communicating his existence. We know there must be a God by looking at nature, and we can know some general things like he must be all wise, he must be beautiful, he must be powerful. God speaks through nature. Number two, we can also know, we also know from scripture that God speaks through the conscience. The conscience. Write down Romans 2, 14 through 15. Uh, The Bible teaches us that the Lord has pre-programmed the human heart 
with certain, again, general truth about God. General truth about God. Now, there's a level of complexity here that goes beyond what we see through nature. Paul explains in Romans 2, 14, he said, So when Gentiles who do not by nature have the law do what the law demands, they are a law to themselves even though they do not have the law. They show, listen, that the work of the law is written on their hearts. Now, Paul here is speaking about unbelievers, people who don't know God. The word Gentiles was often used in the Jewish world to speak of a pagan, an unbeliever. And Paul says that Gentiles are ones who do not have the law. That is, they, in Paul's day, they did not have the, the Ten Commandments. They did not have the moral law that came from God. He's not speaking about the Mosaic law here. He's speaking about what we would call the moral law, that law that hangs over all of creation because of God's nature and his moral demands for creation based on his nature. It's expressed through the Ten Commandments. It seemed to be in place even before the law of Moses. Cain and Abel were told, thou shalt not kill. Or they knew thou shalt not kill. We see Abraham practicing generosity, not covenant, giving a tithe to Melchizedek. We see the Lord demanding worship of himself alone. We see adultery and theft being depicted as sins. So before the law of Moses came, humanity had what was called the moral law wherein they knew certain things are right and wrong, ethical and unethical, God-pleasing and non-God-pleasing based on God's moral character and the moral law he has for all of humanity based on his character. Now, Paul says here that that law, the moral law, is by nature followed by Gentiles. In other words, even ungodly, non-believing, pagan people know you shouldn't kill other people. You shouldn't steal other people's properties. You, you shouldn't lie and practice deceit. So, so Paul says e even Gentiles know these things. Where do they receive knowledge of these things? He says in verse 15, they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts. This is something we call the conscience. Get this, God has pre-programmed every human being with his moral law already in their conscience. He, he speaks in that way. They don't only have to read the Bible to know, I shouldn't kill, I shouldn't steal, I shouldn't covet, I shouldn't commit adultery. Those things are already written in the human heart. Thus, God speaks in this way. Now, there's always the exception, and, and Paul speaks of that Later in Romans chapter 2, he speaks of the way in which some people suppress that law, that conscience, over and over and over again to, to the point that they become hardened and it seems as if they no longer have the moral law written in their hearts. God gives them up, he'll say later in Romans chapter 2. Know this, that's the exception, not the rule. God speaks through the conscience. Have you ever heard somebody use this argument? They might say something like this. Every world religion is basically the same. They're all a bunch of rules that people make up 
in order to try to teach their kids to be good. All world religions are about the same, so therefore I don't believe in God. I would say I agree with the first part of that statement, but I would flip the latter part of that statement. I would say all world religions are similar in a way, therefore I do believe in God. I would not say they're all the same. I would change that a little bit. I would say all world religions are similar in a way, therefore I do believe in God. What do you you mean by that, Patrick? I, I believe we have the one true world religion right here in Christianity. And I believe uh, because God is true and his word is true, he has put in his law in the hearts of every man and woman. Therefore, there are some people who don't have the Bible. They don't have the truth of the gospel. So what do they do? They invent a world religion based upon what they already have in their heart. And so they invent a false religion, but it contains a part of the one true religion It contains things like don't kill, don't steal, don't commit adultery. Why? Because they already had those things in their hearts because of their conscience. So I believe all world religions are similar in some ways, yet Christianity is the one true religion. Because all world religions have a little bit of Christianity in them, we know that there is a God. Furthermore, we know Christianity is the one true religion. So we see God speaks through nature, through the conscience. Now, it's important to realize at this point, we're still dealing with what we call general revelation. This is just God generally revealing himself. He reveals his character through nature. He is wise. He is powerful. Then he reveals his code of conduct through the conscience. Because of his character, you should live in this way. But we still cannot truly know the Lord, nor can we know details about him and special things about him apart from the next form of communication. The next form of communication is number three, special messengers. Special messengers. See, the Lord shows his grandeur through creation. He shows his desired code of conduct based on his character through the conscience. Then he begins, those are all forms of general revelation. Then he begins to specially reveal himself through special messengers. The author of Hebrews said, how will we neglect if we escape such a great salvation? See, and I really believe this. You can't know the way of salvation through nature and the conscience. You need special revelation. You need a special messenger. Who were those special messengers? The author of Hebrews tells us this salvation had its beginning when it was spoken by the Lord and it was confirmed to us by those who heard him. The Bible back in Hebrews 1.1 spoke of the way in which the Lord long ago spoke to the fathers by the prophets at different times in different ways. Here in Hebrews 2.4, the author of Hebrews is hearkening back to those individuals, the prophets, and he's reminding us that the way of salvation was known primarily through three different groups of people, three special messengers. Number one, prophets in the Old Testament. Prophets in the Old Testament. If the Lord wanted to speak, he raised up a special messenger called a prophet who directly filled and led by the Spirit, spoke on behalf of God, a prophet. 
So know this, no one could hear the way of salvation. No one could understand special truth about God. No one could add onto general revelation apart from the prophet in Old Testament times. In the New Testament times, we have the ultimate prophet. Number two, we have, we have two prophets. Then number two, we have Jesus. Jesus was the prophet of all prophets. When he spoke, it was God speaking. Then he commissioned our third group called the apostles. And know this, God does not directly speak. God does not give special revelation of himself apart from any of these three groups of people. Only prophets, only Jesus, and only the apostles. He has special messengers. So don't be intimidated by people who may act as if they speak directly on behalf of God. The Bible here reminds us that the Lord raised up prophets, a prophet, Jesus, and apostles in order to deliver his special message of salvation. Number four, and lastly, how does God speak? Nature, conscience, special messengers, and then lastly, his preserved work. Now, really, the Bible is simply this. It is a record of what the prophets, Jesus, and the apostles said. The Bible says of itself that it is a book unlike any other book. It is given directly from God. Nature and conscience contain general revelations from God. The Bible contains special revelation from God. There will always be secret things, Deuteronomy 29, 29, that we can't learn or know about God apart from revelation, but we have been given this special revelation, and we're called to listen to it and obey it. Jesus promised that we would have such a book. He said, heaven and earth will pass away, Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. How have his words been preserved? Through this book we call the Bible and the four gospels and all of the teaching and the epistles that follow. Then Peter taught us in 2 Peter 3, 14, about this same subject. He said, There, dear friends, while you wait for these things, make every effort to be found without spot or blemish in his sight, at peace. Then he says this. We, we see Peter's perspective on the Word of God. He said, Also, regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our dear brother Paul has written to you according to the wisdom given to him. He speaks about those things in all his letters. There are some things that are hard to understand. The untaught and unstable will twist them to their own destruction as they do with the rest of the scriptures. What do we need to see there? Notice that Peter's talking about Paul and his writings. Now, I love what Peter says about Paul. He says, there are some things that are hard to understand in Paul's letters. And we could say, amen, and even add an oh me to that. Have you ever tried to understand all of Romans? Now, we know indeed there's things hard to understand and Peter could relate but then Peter speaks of the way some people twist Paul, were twisting Paul's words in the first century. But listen to this great qualifier he throws out there. He said, as they also do with the rest of the scriptures. Well, what is Peter doing? He's equating the writings of Paul with scripture. He shows that in the first century, the church was already regarding the writings of Paul and even the other writings of the New Testament as scripture that was on par with the Old Testament, the Torah, the Pentateuch. 
the law, and the prophets. And so know this, here is Bible witness about the Bible. God speaks, and he speaks through his preserved word, this book we call the Bible. Know this, the Lord loves you, and he loves you so much, he's promised to speak to you. And you can hear him today. You can hear him by looking at nature, by listening to that still small voice called the conscience, and you can hear him every time you open this book called the Bible because it contains special revelation about God from the prophets, Jesus, and the apostles. Thank you for joining us today for our lesson on basic doctrine of the Bible. Stay current with other episodes by subscribing to our podcast or visit us online at basicdiscipleship.net. If you have any questions about the materials presented in this lesson, or if you would like to give feedback, email us at info at basicdiscipleship.net. Thanks for listening.